0: Welcome to episode 91 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. We are coming to you shortly before opening day. The off-season is finally coming to an end. And uh, we're here with some predictions, because that is sort of what people are doing nowadays, Uh, casting ahead to the season. We've got a little bit of a structure here. We're going with the old school, high school yearbook, which is the most likely two type of awards i uh you know Stoden. both you and i are pretty far from high school at this point i'm doubting they still do this uh it seems like the sort of thing they would have weeded out um for people's you know to make high school less like lord of the flies but it's still yeah <laughs> a, it, it's still a good gimmick and uh we're gonna go with some of the most likely blue jays to do various things in 2023 that will be our way of casting some predictions for the season We're going to get right into it. One of the more obvious ones is the most likely to win a major award. So we're talking American League MVP, Cy Young, or, and I would be shocked, Stoughton, if you put this one on, Rookie of the Year. I don't know if you're a real, you think Addison Barger is going to force his way on the roster and be an incredible everyday player or something. I don't know. There's not really a route to that as far as I'm concerned um but the, correct <laughs> <laughs> but the guy i'm gonna start with and i think you'll see his name pop up in quite a few places around blue jays land in relation to this award i think we have mentioned him on the podcast in this light it is kevin uh, gosman uh last year he kind of threatened to be in this race especially early on he looked like one of the more dominant pitchers in the al he got some bad luck he had you know i remember stack has had the out to above average four pitchers in terms of the quality of the defense behind them. He was one of the worst. Uh, he had the historically high B, uh, BABIP. And if any of that kind of goes right for him or even goes in the opposite direction for him, he strikes out a ton of batters. He hasn't really walked people, though last year he did a little bit more over the course of the year. But that's what I think. That's what voters are generally looking for: a guy who strikes out a ton of guys, doesn't walk a ton of guys, doesn't have home run problems, and then from there you get, you know, the ERA potentially, the wins. Although Stoden, I don't know how, what percentage of voters do you think are looking at wins at this point?
1: I think it's pretty low at this point. This is not your, you know, Hall of Fame legacy voting committee. Uh, you know, guys who, you know, the 10 year veterans or, or people who've, you know, been in the BBWA forever who still get their vote, even though they're not, you know, uh, necessarily working, uh, writers at this stage. Uh, it's usually pretty, you know, uh, the people who are really day in, day out covering the game and therefore the industry and therefore, yeah, wins aren't going to
0: matter. Yeah. And you know what? He could also have a lot of wins. You know, the Blue Jays True. are a pretty good team and they've got a pretty good lineup. I don't know. So when you're talking about Gosman, I guess what you're saying too is that you think he's got a better shot than Alec Manoa. And that's exactly what I am saying. I mean, Manoa was fantastic last season. You could make an argument that he was better than Gosman a lot of the time. There's been some projections on him that I think are a little bit unfair. I think a couple of them started with a 4 on his ERA over the offseason. It's come down a little bit since then. Uh, I'm looking at fan graphs now. You're, you know, you're getting 343 to 375. There actually is a 406 on here from Steamer. I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that's kind of where he lives. We know that he has had the low BABIPs, and he's, although he has a decent track record at this point, it's still a little bit tough to prove. That he's that guy who holds down, uh, you know, contact to that degree. His expected ERA was significantly higher than his ERA last year. The strikeouts came down. They may well come back up this season, but I don't know. Gosman just seems like a, a safer bet at this point to be in the conversation. And then, uh, I don't know. You want to get to your guy before, and before I just, uh, poo poo over anyone in the AL MVP race in case that's what you're doing. <laughs>
1: Uh well no I mean I I'll, I'll I'll give you Vlad for the for an MVP for if we're picking just one uh one guy to win a major trophy I mean I think you're right obviously that um the, that Rookie of the Year is going to be very difficult for a Blue Jay to win um it's tough to you know I think Devin Williams won it as a reliever a few years ago uh but that was because he was absurd uh and continues to be and like the and you know ideally you know if 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 Bowden Francis comes up. I'm not. I'm not sure that's the the, the horse to uh, uh to ride in this particular race. So I mean, it's it's an easy pick. It, uh, obviously, Vlad. I think we saw in 2021 uh what he can do. and We all know about Vlad. I thought I saw that Scott Mitchell TSN was tweeting earlier today uh about Matt Chapman as like a dark horse kind of guy, which uh which is interesting. I mean, if the defense, if those if those metrics go up, I think he's got some five win projections. Um, that's gonna. <laughs> I think I think Otani might beat that, but. Uh, um, he's a guy who can hit a lot of home runs, and and I think Scott's point was, you know, if he gets some some batted ball luck that makes, maybe makes the line look a little more uh, robust, uh, there could be a lot of sway. I mean, he's been you know that kind of player. Yeah, before.
0: I get that, and I, I think it's fair. I think if anything, Chapman might be a little bit underrated in terms of how people think about the Blue Jay stars. That being said, sort of the thought of you know who's going to have a better season than Shohei Otani Matt Chapman. Uh, that's a tough bridge for me to cross mentally, <laughs> and that, that's kind of why I didn't explore the AL MVP race as much. Like yeah. you said, Vladi was right there in 2021. Um, if some people might have voted for him, that would have been valid in my book. But at the same time, you know, Otani is there, Judge is there, Trout is there. It is it's tougher, you know. And with pitching, guys are more likely to get hurt. I think you're just more likely to have a weird guy come from the middle of the pack, and Gosman's a better better than a middle of the pack guy. But, you know, we saw Robbie Ray won it, right? Like, no one would have thought yeah. that that was something that had happened, and his season was really, really good, and I don't want to downplay it, but it wasn't some all-time amazing historical season, right? Whereas to win the AL MVP these days, you kind of have to do that. like, And it, yeah. as a first baseman, and I know we've seen some first basemen win it recently, It's still a little bit trickier in the era of voters being so sabermetrically inclined. Like, those guys, it's just harder for them to put up the big war totals.
1: Yeah, and just in the era of Otani playing on both sides of the ball, that's – I I don't know what the actual odds are, but I I suspect it won't pay out too much if you bet on Otani.
0: No, I mean, the last time I looked, it was in the plus 200 and something range. And yeah, I mean, you're basically betting injury, yes or no. And, uh, you know, he could get injured because we know that what he does is incredibly physically taxing, but he, you know. In the last couple of years, he's shown the ability to do it until he ha- runs into a major roadblock. It's just hard for me to say that anyone else is likely to win specifically. You know, Judge last year unbelievable season and you know we can quibble over baseballs and what he was and wasn't getting and how valid uh you know the home run record in the american league was that no one had ever really uttered those words until judge was in this race but he had to do all of that just to win and it, i think in a lot of voters minds he didn't win by a ton you know like even with that incredible season uh there was a pretty good argument he made for otani and i just i yeah. don't see vlad doing what judge did last season
1: that i believe is again fair.
0: like we're you know it's arguing against a straw man right like you're not telling me vlad will win mvp 2022 three um no, i'm
1: certainly not but i mean and i don't know because i saw you were already going to pick Gosman, so I don't, that probably would have been my pick if i if i wasn't trying to you know pad out some content yeah. here because I, I do i do think he's got a great chance and, and you know some great pitchers in the American League, too, as well, but it's absolutely not as loaded in that sense as the uh, the MVP conversation will be.
0: Yeah, I mean, the realistic answer to this question is probably none of them because very few guys do, but that's not very fun whatsoever. No,
1: yeah, we're a little bit, yeah. Uh, you know, I think you're also right. I, I was going to say this, but uh, just going back to Gosman and the Manoa thing, I think you're right that, you know, strikeouts are sexy and that gets votes. And I think that maybe, uh, you know, if Manoa had higher strikeout totals, he might. Uh, He might be more of uh, a guy who would be a viable candidate for that. I mean, man, he finished third in the balloting last year, so it's not like he's not a viable candidate, but I do think that, one, the, the pitching to contact slash, you know, soft contact thing, even though he's, you know, it's, it's, it's so weird because he's so, such a big dude, uh, that he's like a deception, soft contact kind of guy. Uh, but that's sort of what he is, even though some of that is maybe in the name of, uh, Pitching efficiently, getting deeper into games because we saw his strikeout totals were higher in 2020.
0: Yeah, and to give him credit, you know, Sandy Alcantara basically won the Cy Young last year in the NL with a good version of what Manoa does, but with just way more innings. You know what I mean? So if
1: with a yeah, if
0: Manoa was gonna do kind of peak Roy Halladay innings load like 230 or something, maybe that's something that would gain people's attention. But I I just don't think that's happening. You know, it's 2023. The fact Alcantara did it was so weird and uh, it's hard to imagine that happening again for a while. Maybe with him, just because Miami is comfortable having him do that, but uh, it was was quite the oddity and the novelty, and I think that played a big part in him winning when there would have been arguments for other guys as well. For sure. All right, we're going to move on to most likely to exceed expectations. Now, this is our interpretation of what expectations are, so obviously quite subjective. That being said, personally, I'm going to go with George Springer. The reason I'm going to say that, there are some, you know, there was a couple red flags in what he did last year. You know, the max exit velocity wasn't quite as good. Uh, he really, you know, his strikeout rate was fine, but he had a lot of whiffs. Like, there are a couple of things I could pinpoint that say, oh, maybe George Springer is slowing down a bit, yada, yada, yada. But realistically, a lot of the times when he has his worst appearances of the plate are when he's kind of playing through injuries. And I'm not saying George Springer is going to play 162 games and he'll never get hurt. That would be an unreasonable thing to project. But I think that moving to right field is a big deal. Like, he's been good there in the past. Like, all the metrics like him, I think it's plus four outs above average all time, plus 12 DRS. The speed for a center fielder was kind of middling for a right fielder, 76th percentile sprint speed that's been holding up in that area for a few years now, despite his age. That's pretty good for a right fielder. The arm strength above average, 55th percentile. So I think he plays the position well. Better than he plays center, probably. And, you know, you have half as many opportunities for collisions when there's only one guy you can collide with, and Kevin Kiermaier, I mean, infielders accepted, which, uh, <laughs> that, that, which it, that turns can't it turns happen, out can yes. happen. But, you know, let's think positive here. But, like, the col- p- potential for collisions goes <laughs> down. You know, you could, with Varsho and left and Kiermaier in center, you can kind of have those guys taking up a little bit more space each of them than have springer do less uh you know unless you're facing some big left-handed bats he doesn't have to go into the gap quite as much i just think that you know they came into the offseason feeling like this was a necessity at this point and it's not because he can't physically play center or even play it competently it's because they feel like it gives him the best chance to stay healthy and a healthy springer uh is an incredibly valuable player and i think going into the season especially because of what happened in his first year people are so inclined to believe oh well springer just kind of will get injured for a big chunk of time that's an inevitability and it may well be uh that that happens but uh, it's less likely now than it's been since he joined the blue jays and if he stays more healthy if not perfectly healthy the opportunity for a huge season is really there
1: yeah no i i think you're right also i think the uh uh, the arm strength thing affected by the injury last year by the, the bone spurs i think if you go back previous years even higher so uh all of it does bode well for him being uh, a good fit in right field which is something the astros knew uh <laughs> when he played for them last time three years ago um yeah no 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 qualms with for me on that i think that's uh that's a good choice. Mine is because, you know, the expectations are not great, mostly. Uh, I'm going to say Jose Barrios. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I, he's shown a ton this spring, though, uh, though if you look at his line, uh, from his final spring start, it'll be a little deceptive. I think that, uh, you know, he just had a, a run of weird at bats, uh, that, that, that pumped up his, uh, the run total score against him, um, in whatever, whatever day that was, Tuesday or Monday or I, I don't know. Um, and you know it's just it's the things that we all said last year throughout the season you know like uh the stuff is still there you know it's all about you know he has to locate better He's had an off season to try to work things through you know the the world baseball classic did not exactly uh help in terms of uh, expectations but for this exercise i think they helped in the sense in the sense that they lowered them and and you know, there's, there's all sorts of reasons, I think, to, to think that he will be fine. And, uh, hope, you know, maybe I'm just like trying to manifest because, <laughs> because, man, it's a, it's a long contract. Uh, if he's just a good fourth starter or, or not even a good fourth starter. Um, but I gotta, I gotta fall back on the track record and, and, and look at, at the fact that there hasn't been a degradation of stuff and, uh, feel pretty good that he can figure it out. Fingers crossed. Fingers very (laughs) tightly crossed, though.
0: Yeah, he would have to be significantly older for me to believe that he'd kind of fallen off a cliff in this way. Um, We talked about that with Ryu, right? Like, when Ryu was older, and even if the velocity didn't fall off, maybe he was... He had to sort of throw harder to get the same, and he lost some command. Like... No, Barrios is in his prime. As he said, the stuff is there. I think the the expectations are unreasonably low because people are likely to see what happened last year and assume that the same thing, more or less, is going to happen the next year. And that's an overly simplistic way of looking at it. We see year to year variation all the time. Ironically, not with Barrios. Like he was extremely consistent year to year. But in terms of baseball as a whole, that's just what it's fair to expect. So. I agree with you on that one. I think another guy who could have been put in this bucket was Brandon Belt. And to be honest, main reason I didn't touch that is because I feel like we've been just pumping uh, Belts tires a lot over the last couple of weeks. And we've kind of had that conversation before, but I do think that he's a guy who deserves a little bit of mention in exceeding expectations because uh, he's another guy whose expectations in my view are unreasonably low. And you know, I, he has, he has that big ceiling. We've seen it over the last couple of years prior to his injuries. So, yeah, there are a few guys. It, it, it is a little bit of a tough part of the exercise with this Blue Jays team because it is a veteran team and largely guys are relatively well established and we know what to expect from them. And so saying you know most likely to exceed expectations, spoiler alert, the next uh, one is most likely to disappoint. Uh, a lot of these guys have fairly established production levels, but Barrios is a good example of a guy – who i think yeah whether it's the projections or just the fan sentiment have fallen below what it's fair to expect from him this year yeah i think i i think i agree so most likely to disappoint this one is tricky because i think this time of year there is I don't know, there's a lot of optimism about guys, so it's kind of hard to pick out guys and be like, this guy is going to be brutal, you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess you could do that with Barrios, but the bar is pretty low with him at this point, and I'm just not a guy, you know, there are some exceptions, certain stack has things you can see, but just sort of spring results don't do a ton for me. Anyway, the guy I've got here is Whit Merrifield. I know the bar isn't super high for him. I still think that he might slide under it, uh, <laughs> It's just a player, you know, he, WRC Plus is down four years straight. He had expected Woba under 300 in, in 2022. The contact quality just really isn't there for him, and all he does is put the ball in play. Like, that's what makes him at all effective as an offensive player. And with, you know, the second base uncertainty and the lack of that right handed outfielder, like, we kind of kept expecting a right handed outfielder to come to the Blue Jays. Uh, That didn't really happen. So between those two positions, it just feels like a guy who's going to see a lot of at-bats as the team is currently constructed. And when the Blue Jays added him, I'm not sure that was the idea. I think that he was probably more seen as a guy who's a really handy bench piece and guy who can fill in in certain matchups. And now you're looking at a player who may be starting at second base more than anyone else and playing uh, outfield against left-handed pitching as well. And that really adds up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been harsh on Merrifield, I think, all spring. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to stop because I absolutely agree with, the, with you because also because I think some of the expectations are, are out of whack just because he paid, he played so well in September. He had a really nice spring. Um, you know, he's that gritty grinder kind of guy, but I think you're right that he's more of a bench piece. You know, he is a handy guy to have on the bench and to have around. But, uh, but yeah, it looks like he's going to be in line for a lot of playing time. And that, that can change. You know, there are guys who you know Addison Barger can maybe come up and take some plate appearances away or, or or Nathan Lucas in the outfield or Otto Lopez uh and of course Espinal and Kevin Viziu I mean I you know ideally Kevin Viziu gets going and uh like an Espinal biggio platoon ends up being at second base and we don't have to worry about with too much I think that's still completely in the cards but right now you know smartly they look like they're going to ride the hot hand but yeah, again, talking about a track record, like, you know, like you say, the, the decline in the weighted runs created plus every year. I I was looking at this and I wrote this in the, like, my piece yesterday, because like, even, even on the good side of the platoon, even, even against left-handed pitching as a right-handed hitter, it's like a 96 weighted runs created plus since 2020 for Witt. Not It's great. like he's just, he's just not good. He's just not, a really, you know, league average is, you know, league average, I guess, you know, but yeah, there is a, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Uh and if they don't you know find a way to do so, uh or if they don't or if they have to wait until July to do so, then yeah, we're gonna see a lot of wit and I think it's gonna uh change the the, the, the love in that has sort of been happening this spring, which, you know, hey, well, love, love you guys, that's fine. Um but yeah, I, you know and I'd love to be wrong on that. I'd love this to be a uh uh, uh oh man. I'm I'm blanking on uh, who was the who was the left fielder they acquired in 2015 with the bad uh, <laughs> the bad strike call in Kansas oh, City. Ben Revere, yeah. Ben Revere, yeah. That was one where I was like, this guy stinks. <laughs> and like, uh, and then he came in and he was very effective and played very well and was like the best stretch of, of baseball at the big league level he ever played. And then I think was out of baseball very quickly afterwards, which uh, did not spare me from. Uh, from mockery for for being like oh, I don't know about this Ben Revere fellow, um. So maybe that'll happen with Merrifield too. I'll I'll, I'll happily take the mockery if uh, if he has a great year. But uh, yeah, but I I'm think still
0: broadly speaking, it. you were uh, you were right about Ben Revere. But anyone can put together that stretch of you know a couple months, a couple weeks, and that's what Merrifield did last year to create this optimism. But it was just so unlike anything he'd done any time recently in his career and it really was a very short period like if you look at his time with the Blue Jays sure the overall numbers look good but we're really talking about kind of a 10 game stretch or so when he just had an insane amount of power production <laughs> and it's not like that doesn't count but I'll put it this way he's just gonna need to really exploit those pizza boxes if he's gonna be valuable for the Blue Jays this year maybe he'll do that yeah but uh who's your non Merrifield most likely to disappoint uh, it, I, it has
1: to be Dalton Varsho, which is partly, partly if, uh, an effect of, you know, where the expectations are, or even if the expectations aren't super, super high, just, be, you know, who he got traded for, uh, is going to, to put him under a bit of a microscope and, um, and, you know, he could he could have a five win season, he can you know, improve on last year, four and a half wins, four wins like that, like, and and he could do it while, you know, the numbers against lefties looking as ugly as they did last year, and even the numbers against righties not looking, you know, out of this world. And it could still, I think, feel to people like a disappointment because, you know, this is, this is a guy you traded one of the best prospects in baseball for, and Lourdes Carrillo Jr., whom, you know, uh, I felt was probably the, 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 the time was running out there anyway. But, uh, in terms of like trying to get a sense of where expectations are at, I wonder if that's, uh, if that's a guy who, People might start looking at the the Grichukian uh, uh, output at the plate and and feeling that wanting while not you know not necessarily noticing how the defensive value is compiling over the course of uh, 162 games. Yeah,
0: also especially if he struggles against left-handed pitchers or simply doesn't play against them, it is kind of hard to wrap your head around the idea of like oh maybe you traded a you know a franchise catcher type or a you know, an elite prospect for someone who ultimately grades out as a platoon outfielder. Like, if you traded him for Seth Smith a few years ago, I don't know why that's the first platoon outfielder that comes to mind. But, like, yeah, if you traded a, you know... A guy like that for someone who, yeah, is useful against righties but just struggles so much against lefties that they're either unplayable or they really bring down your lineup. And I'm not saying that that's a guarantee because although, although Varsho struggled, we don't have a huge sample. Like, he's had a relatively short career at the MLB level. I would be surprised if the Jays made this trade if they felt that he was, like, long-term unplayable against lefties. Um, sure. That yeah. being said, like, you know, the results are what they are so far. So, I can definitely see that. Although – he is someone whose projections I find puzzling. Like, if you look at FanGraphs, they have something like seven projection systems. All of them pretty much seem to see him as like a better hitter than he's ever shown at the big league level. I'd be interested to see how that plays out this year. And you know, he's young enough; there is raw power with him for sure. But it's uh, it's one that I I find a little bit head scratching. Like, you see some kind of like one thirty two WRC plus projections. When in my head I'm thinking something like one fifteen is a more reasonable expectation, but we'll, you know, those, uh, those systems have a lot more data or at least compile it more efficiently than I do in my head. So I'll have to go with them and say that he's going to have a good year offensively, but I could definitely see a scenario where uh, Blue Jays fans find him pretty underwhelming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right too. Like there's, there there are, there's a lot of outcomes here and I think he definitely could have a a really good year and take a step forward at the plate. And I think you're right that the Blue Jays don't make that trade if they, if they don't think that there's more there in that bat.
0: All right, next up, most likely to become a folk hero, I'm talking early Alejandro Kirk. I'm talking John McDonald. I'm talking Joe Inglot. There's countless uh, examples. (laughs) People who just become, like, just capture the imagination of Blue Jays fans And often these players don't end up doing anything important for the team or sometimes they end up taking a big role. You know, we know what happened with Kirk. Reed Johnson is an example who stands out to me, a guy who kind of came up at a relatively old age and was just gritty and people loved him. And then it turned out he was kind of a platoon to starting outfielder for them for a while and actually had meaningful contributions to make. So my guy... Until
1: until they cut him for for the the withered husk of Shannon. Yeah, Stewart.
0: you know, not not <laughs> ideal, not the best decision making on that. I think
1: he, had some, I think he had some good years yeah, to afterwards. Oh yeah, he was as well.
0: a useful player after the Blue Jays got rid of him. Um, but that's you know you know hundreds and hundreds of plate appearances with the team over multiple years and a, a useful player. Anyway, I don't know if there's a Reed Johnson lurking somewhere for the Blue Jays. This season, it is a tough one, right? Because it is a team that is bringing back so many returning players. And a lot of the guys they've added, you know, Chris Bassett, Brandon Belt. These guys, in my view, don't really qualify for this category. You know, they're super well-established veterans who have done a lot of it at the MLB level. And I think Blue Jays fans know broadly what to expect. So the guy I've picked is Otto Lopez, who I thought was going to make the opening day roster. He's not going to. But he fits a lot of the parts of this archetype in my view. He's been at AAA two years prior to 2023. Now, you know, he played for Canada and the WBC. He plays defense pretty well in a variety of positions. He puts the ball in play a ton, which is a big one because often those are the guys who can get those weirdly good stat lines over a short period of time. They just have balls fall in play for them and then suddenly it's like wow this guy's hitting 318 over the last three weeks kind of regardless of if the contact quality bears that out um i just think you know he's a call away if uh if they're just not playing time for lucas they realize or someone gets hurt there aren't a lot of other uh guys who are in competition as position players lopez is sort of the first obvious call and someone's going to get hurt at some point He's a right-handed bat who could see time against lefties because I think that this lineup is a little bit weird against lefties. Again, you know, there's a scenario where he never sees the light of day, but Lopez is my guy.
1: No, I think that's a good choice, and I think you're right that there aren't a ton of guys who, you know, based on on your uh, phrasing of the category, uh, you know, like Whitmerfield is maybe becoming a bit of that guy, but, but like you say uh, – Pretty established, though. No, I'm going with a, a guy you ruled out, and I'm going to say it, it's going to be Brandon Belt. And I know we you talked that we've talked about it to death, but I just feel that this is a guy who, you know, obviously in a different way, obviously an established guy. But I, I don't know where the expectations are. I, I, I know people are looking at the production of, you know, from 2020 to 2021, and uh, you know, we can see what what can happen here. But I, I think the real, like the there's a real chance that, uh that he could be an offensive force and the the moved in walls could help. And I think that, you know, his personality is going to be uh, something that I think Jays fans probably don't, you know, a lot of them at least don't, don't know as well, obviously playing in San Francisco all those years, but the, uh, you know, a guy that uh, will endear himself to fans a lot and, and was, uh, uh, you know, a pretty uh, big part of all of those teams that, uh, that did so well in those world series with the giants a, a decade ago now, I guess, or whatever the hell it was. Um, so apologies. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, if I had to pick a different one, it would probably be a reliever of some sort, you know, coming in, you know, your, uh, your Hagen Danners or something like that, or, or someone coming up and, 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 making a real go of it in the bullpen and, and sparing us from too much Trevor Richards. Um, you know, Zach Pop, yeah, Pete Walker talking about Zach Pop looking like, uh, Clay Holmes. Uh, I was, I was quoting that in my piece yesterday. I'm like, okay, well, that could be a guy if that, if that happens, but, uh, uh,
0: <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not willing to stake. Uh, uh stake no, my pick. I need on to that. see some non-sinkers. Um, so I'll, say, I'll say about. Up. I need to see him throw a few pitches. Yeah, that would be nice to really buy in. Um, still, I still think he's a handy piece. But you can get quotes from a pitching coach about how any reliever. Yeah. yeah about his really guys
1: great. in particular.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, you don't get a lot of like this guy's an absolute dud, and he's on the roster because he's got a salary, and we can't. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I think I, you bring me around a little bit in terms of the personality component because I think you're right. Brandon Belt is will be an endearing character, and he's someone who Blue Jays fans yeah, probably know through watching some of those San Francisco teams but know him more from his on-field production than from what he uh, brings off the field. So that will be interesting to watch that develop. The next uh, category I have is sort of the opposite of that, which is most likely to be a GOAT. Uh, not the goat. I think goat in this context is a little bit of an old fashioned term at this point. But yeah, someone who attracts an undue amount of blame or scorn is what I mean. Not someone who is the greatest of all time. Uh, which would be really weird with my pick, which is Tim Mesa, who is not going to be the greatest of all time kind of in <laughs> any category. I don't think at least not on the baseball field. Maybe he's going to have a great, uh, second career as a philosopher or something, but, um, the the thing with Mays is this. They really need him in certain big spots. And he's I'm just not really convinced that he's that level of reliever that kind of leads to his role. Like he's a guy whose expected ERA was over four last year, four seventeen, compared to his three fourteen ERA. His strikeouts fell to a career low. I know that he he's a big sinker baller at this point. He's kind of changed what he does. He doesn't rely on strikeouts. But if you're talking about a left-handed pitcher who will be relied on against some of these top lefties in big spots and he doesn't miss a ton of bats and you don't really have another option, that is a little bit troubling. And I don't think that, you know, it's going to be a disaster by any means. I think he's still kind of a fine reliever. But whenever I see a player whose role seems to exceed at least my best guess of what their production is going to be. You've got someone who has potential to get the fan base on their back. And to be fair, I don't think the fan base is sort of super in on Tim Mesa as it is. So I think there's an opportunity for him to become like the Aaron loop where he's hated by all dads and uncles across the blue Jays. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think that's a great choice. Um, you know and well p walker would disagree but oh, he's tim fantastic he's, you know, unbelievable absolutely <laughs> but uh yeah the 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 trouble with right-handed hitters is uh is a bit of a concern um and, and yeah he's going to come up in those big spots and they're you know if you you know you walk you walk the lefty and have to face the righty here you're in you're in some trouble at this point if you're tim mesa he is a guy who uh who can be optioned and uh that it wouldn't shock me if if he ended up you know there's there are candidates ahead of him on this list but um you know we kind of think about the you know the locks at the top of the bullpen but uh, you know I, I think that obviously being left-handed uh gives him a leg up um but also, I don't know that he's necessarily even their top lefty, uh, or top guy to face left-handed hitters. Cause I think Eric Swanson looks like a, a better option there with his reversed splits. And I think even if, you know, if Mays is having a rough go, you know, Adam Simber in a lot of spots, even though the, you know, he's obviously more of a middle-inning guy and a guy who the ball, you know, will be put into play. Um, you know, I, I I'll, I'll trust Simber. Uh, had a Mesa at this point you know just but that's his recency bias because Mesa's has had some good years and he's you know made it back from tommy john you know or whatever it was that, that kept him out. i think it was it was tj and uh um you know just a, a long time blue jay nothing against him Mesa, but it does just scare me a little bit uh and last year and it's uh, such a tiny sample that I, I shouldn't get hung up on it and it hung up on the fact you know that it was you know the most recent you know couple months of uh of watching him but uh uh, but yeah, it got a bit ugly there. And, uh, and he just felt like he was a one pitch pitcher by the end. Um, and that's just, I don't think that his one pitch, uh, is good enough to, for him to be that guy. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, a, a year of rest or an off season full of rest and, uh, and getting to work on things in spring. Hopefully that'll, you know, help him, um, you know, right the ship a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, he does scare me and I, I can understand exactly what you mean that the, the dads and uncles may not be, uh, uh, may not be too fond of him if things kind of slip away too often. I, uh, for my, for my selection uh i'm going and this this shows you and not that anyone not that this is news to anybody shows you like where where the variance is at in terms of what uh what a season could go like uh i'm also going to choose the guy that i said is is uh is most likely to exceed expectations i'm going to say jose Barrios, uh because man that contract if he does another year like he had last year that is uh that's going to get the dads and uncles up and yeah i mean well.
0: the contract is always a big factor in the dad and uncle index um Which is, I mean, it it doesn't really matter. I guess there's the sort of opportunity cost of what they could do with that money. And undoubtedly, it will look like a bad contract if he has a bad season this year. To be honest, I think that he'd actually have to have like a pretty good season. I think if he sort of splits the difference between what he did last year, which was a disaster, and what he's done in the past, there'll still be some dissatisfaction with him, undoubtedly. Uh, You know, in the rotation, you also have the... You've got a little bit of Kikuchi risk there. I know that there's no expectations for him, so he's in a good position that way. But if he comes out and looks sort of totally broken again, uh, I think you'll have people turning on, they're turning on him really quickly. I don't think it'll take more than, you know, one bad start, for instance, uh, for the knives to come out for him. (laughs) Uh, I think the thing with him is that if, if he can't turn things around, his job is not exactly 100% safe, and that's more complicated with Mitch White out. Right now, but he's someone who, you know, if he is going to be a goat, he will be a short-term goat, not a not a season-long one. Where Barrios, he ain't going anywhere, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: and you know, uh, yeah, uh, the the conspicuous lack of uh, of a bullpen lefty perhaps points to uh, the Jays thinking of of uh, the the fact that maybe one's going to show up uh, sooner than later. Though the springs gone well.
0: We'll give him that. Yeah, and I think that there is some hope he would be decent out of the bullpen if absolutely needed in that role, even if that's, you know, based on the starting depth they have, which is not fantastic. That is not the preferred outcome for the team. But it, uh, no. like you said, the absence of a lefty does create potentially a role for him, which at times out of the bullpen, he looked pretty good last year. For the last, uh, (laughs) for the last category, we have most likely to make an impact after starting on the IL or in the minors. I don't know because people make all these, you know, all the fuss about the opening day roster, right? You know, there's the projections, and then it finally comes out, and that's a big news thing. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter because that's the team you're going to be playing with early on. But we also both know that over the course of a season this long, at the end of the day, you can look at any year and be like, oh, really? That guy was on the opening day roster? Like, it's just not necessarily a team that they have. They have a very healthy team right now, the Blue Jays do. So there isn't a ton of guys on the IL that are obvious candidates. You've got, you know, Ryu and you've got Mitch White and you've got Green as well, uh, who we don't know if we're going to see. But who is your guy? We'll go with you first. Who is your guy who you see making an impact that is on the IL? One of those three guys or in the minors?
1: I'm going to go with Chad Green. Oh, okay. um, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of innings on that arm, but he's just been an elite reliever whenever he's been healthy and basically for his entire career. You know, not not the sexiest one necessarily. Um, I, I hate using the, the, oh, it's like, it's like they made a trade without making a trade, but he should come back, you know, around the middle of the season or maybe a little later than that and, uh, and give the bullpen a real lift. Like, I think that that will, you know, he will, he, you know, he's, he's better than Anthony Bass for me. You know, he's in, he's in the conversation and I think it makes them, you know, they're not far from being a pretty decent unit. I, and I, uh, you know i hesitate to agree with the you know the the blair and barkers who are like not a championship bullpen like you know like that's really a thing you can make it work in all kinds of different ways it just um it just has to work i don't know that the, the well the 2015 jays didn't win a championship but i'm not sure that was a championship bullpen either and that was like the you know a great great team um but yeah i think green's going to come back and and presumably be healthy probably be better off for the uh for the time off and uh even if he looks like the lesser version of himself that he did last year before the surgery, uh, going to be a really good reliever for him. I think
0: that's, an, that's a good pick. Like we said, we don't know exactly when he's coming back. There's a little bit too much uncertainty for me to go there. That being said, I went with Captain Uncertainty, Nate Pearson. I'm ready to be heard again one more time. One more time. This this is the last time. This is the last <laughs> season when I'm willing to say anything about Nate Pearson in terms of having hopes But he is kind of at that post hype sleeper point right now. Like, he is potentially the next guy up in the bullpen. You could envision a scenario where they stretch him out, you know, for maybe short starts if they're in a desperate crunch. There's just not a lot of other guys. You know, I talked about Otto Lopez being kind of the position player you'd call up because there aren't other obvious candidates. Uh, at least early in the season. And I kind of feel the same way about Pearson. Like there aren't that many obvious guys like you're desperate to bring up. We know the velocity is still there. I think he has sort of proven that at the very least he can really get right handed hitters out and, at the big league level at that slider as well. He, the injury thing can always happen with him, but I don't think he's quite at the Julian Merriweather level. Um, you know, very few people are. Uh which is good for the, <laughs> the integrity of the sport. But he's, I, you know, I don't think that he's realistically going to start, but he's got that that ability to make a, a big, big impact in the bullpen if he's healthy, and maybe that's, you know, this, the fact that I'm willing to name him, it really speaks to sort of the lack of guys <laughs> who I feel like are likely to make a big impact, right? Like you've got Zulueta out there who you could say basically the same things you say about Pearson, but... Even less proven, but same injury concerns. You know, you can say Lopez, you can say Addison Barger, Spencer Horwitz, if you want to get—I don't know—really ambitious about it. But there's not Ooh. a ton of guys, right? Like there just isn't. Like, the <laughs> best prospects on this team, you know, Ricky Tiedemann could make a could make a cameo here, could make an impact. But you're inclined to believe that'll be late in the season if it happens, or at least middle of the season. Pearson, someone I could see getting a call fairly early if something goes wrong with somebody and making an impact right away and making it you know that championship caliber bullpen i don't know exactly what role but he could build himself up to a pretty big one we've seen some encouraging things from him as a reliever again this is more of i think an indictment on where the blue jays are in the high minors than uh, me saying i'm planting my flag and believing that Nate Pearson's going to have some massive impact it's just he is someone who I can see a road for, and there aren't that many guys who fit the bill.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I disagree slightly. I think that there are some pretty interesting arms that are going to be in Buffalo, but they're all kind of lottery ticket guys. You know, your junior Fernandez's and uh, and Hagen Danners, and uh, like that, that. There, there's some velocity there at least. Uh, you know, Zach Pop we talked about earlier, like is another guy who who may who could who could do that thing if Pete Walker, in his effusive praise, is. Uh, uh is correct there i think you know and i'm absolutely gonna pull for, for pearson like i think that's a great choice too and, and i would love to see it just because i'm it, just, it drives me nuts when people get mad at guys because they're they're hurt it's like oh why are we even talking oh don't even don't even get me started about Nate. it's like i don't know man he gets hurt it sucks it's like he's not trying to be bad or anything it's just i'm sorry you feel like you were sold a bill of goods but uh uh, you can all see the talent every time he pitches. It just it hasn't really clicked and hasn't been able to stay on the field enough to make it click. And uh, and so that would be uh, that would be wonderful if uh, if if we were if, if we saw that happen. But I, I do I do think that there are some actual like some very interesting arms in the uh, uh, in the Bison's bullpen and uh, and among their starters as well. Jay Jackson, who just got uh, uh, that split contract and added to the forty man. Um, so that, like, that's an interesting guy, too, I'm, who could come up early, who, uh, pitched really well in spring and has had, uh, a long and not necessarily storied career. But, uh, um, but yeah, obviously, I mean, if you go down the line and really look at, at the, the talent and look at, at how often we've seen him be able to get big leaguers out, uh, uh, like Pearson is, is probably the guy, even though a lot of times he wasn't able to get him, but, uh, but that was mostly as a starter, the, those, those innings at the end of 2021, um, or, uh, were pretty good and uh and something that you know maybe Meriwether like um is something that I think you can kind of look back at yeah and, and and dream with on.
0: Pearson, I always find myself thinking of Dustin McGowan, who had you know every injury under the sun and sure. then at the end came out the other side and it's not like he had some all star career, but he made major contributions for the blue Jays um kind of long after people had given up on him, and I don't know if people have "quote unquote" given up on Nate Pearson? But I think that's where quite a few fans are with him at this point, and I'm not there yet. Like I said, one more time, one more year, um, and you yeah, <laughs> know, at the end of 2023, you know, he he spends most of the time injured, and even at AAA, then yeah, maybe this is a silly pick, but you know, we're doing predictions here. Prediction business is a tough one. I'm also looking at the 40 man here, seeing Thomas Hatch's name. And that, you know, I'm sorry that I neglected to use that as my pick because they seem to convince to get him up (laughs) for the big leagues for like one start every year. And maybe this could be the one where he throws a perfect game or whatever.
1: Yeah. One one hopes. And uh, Dustin McGowan's a great cop for Pearson because I'm, you know, I'm hesitating. You can't say Chris Carpenter because it's like, okay, well, that there's only one Chris Carpenter. Incredible career, uh, but also you don't want that to happen in somebody else's organization. So the people who are, are are quick to tire of someone with the kind of electric arm that Pearson has is uh yeah I just I don't, I personally just don't uh don't get that uh you know
0: don't sleep on uh, Trent Thornton either <laughs> he still has an option <laughs> though, so though maybe he'd be one of those up and down guys as much as actually
1: I read I read a piece about sweepers today I think from Pitcher List I retweeted it. Uh, one of the one of the relievers who uses who's used the the sweeper more often than anybody else baseball's hot new pitch so maybe maybe he uh keeps refining that and turns I, into I, something useful
0: I, i'd be interested I have to find but also yeah trent thornton has been kind of the uh he's been a guy who people who are interested in sort of yeah spin rate and pitch shaping all that stuff have for years mm-hmm. said this is going to be a guy who does stuff and he hasn't done a lot of stuff um since his rookie year as a starter, who's actually, you know, fairly respectable that's neither here nor there we have uh, yeah. you know that's the that's a Charlie Montoyo era pitcher and we're in a different we're in a different era now <laughs> uh, as 2023 dogs. So we're gonna leave it there with you guys hope everyone enjoys opening day uh, we will be back next week and if anyone wants to review or subscribe or like or do all those things that I don't fully understand that supposedly help us thrive as a podcast we invite you to do that and we appreciate it. And uh, happy opening day, everyone.